Well, we are honoring our graduates this morning, and uh, it's a good-looking bunch up there, right? And we're going to be uh, doing that uh, more directly, I guess, in our third service, but still would like to point out this morning that each of them arrived at where they are in, in regards to just being able to graduate high school without, uh, they, they, they couldn't be where they are now without a good deal of commitment. And commitment is one of the themes I want to draw out from the text that we're going to be in this morning. Um, they had to say yes to things, right? To some things, like studying, uh, going to school, going to class. Um, they had to say no to some things, right? Uh, perhaps hanging out too late with their friends, I don't know fill in the blank, right? But they had to be disciplined to some degree, say yes to the best things and say no to lesser things that would not be a part and a tool to accomplish their goal, that being to graduate high school. So, um, so we're going to be looking at that today. It really, that's what all of life is about, right? We always have decision, decisions to make. We always say yes to some things, whether we realize it or not. We're saying yes to some things uh, and no to other things. Uh, and, so, uh, and so we're going to look at the, the, the life of, of Israel, I guess, the, the, and what Joshua is charging them in, in Joshua 24. So if you want to turn there with me, uh, please do that. Um, otherwise, you're going to be kind of bored this morning, I think. So uh, turn with me to Joshua 24. We're going to kind of uh, go through a large part of the chapter this morning, um, but we're going to read just the, the, a few verses, a couple verses right now. Um, so would you turn to Joshua 24, verse 14, and I will begin reading, and then we'll pray. Joshua says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, of your, father, the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we come this morning to your word with humble hearts. Humble us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to interpret your word without error to apply your word accurately in our lives this morning. We thank you for revealing your character through your word. That you are good and faithful. That you are worth binding ourselves to. You have bound yourself to us, God, in covenant relationship. And we'll see that this morning in Joshua, God. And we know that uh, the new covenant 
purchased by Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, is for us today. We thank you for being a God who covenants with his people. And so, God, we ask for help this morning. Uh, I pray that we would leave here, God, with some homework, God, that we would leave more committed to you, that you would give us some action steps, Holy Spirit, as we leave here, God, to, to put away other gods in our life besides the one true almighty God. We ask this through the Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, back to talking about being committed. We have two of, of the graduates this morning that we're honoring. Uh, two of them have, uh, are Valley Victorian of their class. That's amazing, right? And that even takes an extra dose of commitment to get that far. And so we're proud of our students uh, this morning uh, and want to talk about commitment and really the God who is committed to us, uh, which, is, which is what we'll see here. Let's get some historical background on the verses we just read. Um, and starting in, in the beginning of, of Joshua 24, verse um, Verse 1 there, uh, it, he, it sets the stage, right? Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and some of the elders and the heads of judges and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord. He introduces God here, right? He gathers all the people of Israel. So, back up a little further. Joshua is the leader of Israel. He has brought the people of Israel into the promised land. The, the, the land that God promised Abraham, their, their ancestor, that he would possess and his people would possess. He has brought them, uh, God has used Joshua to bring them into this promised land. Now, Joshua is old. He is about to die. And he knows that. So he's gathering all the elders, all, all the people of Israel, and he's giving them uh, one last charge, as we read in, in verse 14 and 15. But also, he's renewing, essentially, the covenant that they have with God. He is renewing the covenant, and, and he does that first by introducing who the covenant here is with, the, the the king and the Lord that this covenant is with, and it's with the Almighty God. And so he starts off by saying, Thus says the Lord, these are not my words. These are not, this is not my idea. This is not my will. This is the will of God. This is the heart of God. He uh, is the one who has revealed himself to you and wants to continue to do so. Uh, and, and to continue to remind you, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna, uh, God's going to remind his people what all he has done for them. And so he introduces God. This is God's deal. This is not my deal. So thus says the Lord, and he, he continues, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. 
He's, gonna, he's, he's giving them, God is, through Joshua, giving them a history lesson. I don't know if you guys love history and love studying history. If anyone out there loves that, great, good. History is important. For those of you that don't, uh, and maybe it's a snore fest for you uh, in regards to history, <laughs> it's important. History is, is important. And if we're not careful, history will repeat itself if we ignore it. So God is reminding uh, his people, Israel. And, and we as weak human beings need a reminder. And even as God's people, even as Christians, you and I that have the Holy Spirit now, we need to always remind ourselves of what God has been doing throughout history. We need to remind ourselves of that. We need to always be in his word, uh, dwelling on his character. And I, as I was studying uh, this chapter uh, for this sermon, I was, I was reminded of the character of God. And it was refreshing. Sometimes life happens. Circumstances happen that's, that are painful, right? And that, uh, that are less than ideal to say the least. And sometimes those really make us question God's faithfulness to us. And uh, maybe even to a point where we even doubt God's very presence. Or, or, or maybe the reality of God. Or is God even for me? Because these things are happening in my life. And so we can start believing or doubting, uh, believing falsehoods or doubting the character of God. And we got to go back uh, and, and give ourselves a little bit of a history lesson. And, and it's also good to think personally about our experiences with God. What has God done in my own life in the past that I can say, wow, look, he is faithful. And if that's hard to do or difficult to do, then we have the scripture to tell us who God is. He is here. Uh, even when it seems like he's not. And we'll get to those places where he, it seems like he's not here in Israel's history. But anyway, he starts off by saying long ago, right? He's giving them history lessons. Your fathers served other gods. Abraham, your ancestor, right? Your spiritual father, Abraham, who God chose and who God promised to bless, he served other gods. This is actually uh, the, f the first time we kind of learn this about Abraham. He is not this spiritual role model that Joshua is lifting up and saying, hey, look, remember Abraham and how God uh, gave him all these promises and, and, and Abraham was so faithful and he trusted God. Remember how faithful Abraham was. Be like Abraham. No. It's not what he's doing. He's saying, no, uh, Abraham worshipped other gods. He was just as bad as some of you are. Some, some of your fathers were. He worshipped other gods. But verse 3, I, God, then I took God's initiative, God's grace, on Abraham. I took Abraham. I took him. In his sin, in, as he was pursuing other gods, uh, lesser gods than me, I took Abraham for reasons unknown to you. You will never know the reasons why I took Abraham. I just loved him in grace. 
and decided to pour out my grace on him, I took him from beyond the river and led him through the land of Canaan. Look at all these, uh, these direct verbs that God is doing. I took, I led, and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. Verse 4, I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau. Verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards, I brought you out. He does not stop. He just keeps going. Then I brought your fathers. He just keeps going about how I did this and I did that. And you thought circumstances were just happening. And I was trying to pick up the pieces along the way. But that's not how I work, God says. I did this. I took Abraham in my love. Unmerited grace I poured out on, on Abraham and on you. And I, I did this just because I wanted to. I led him. I made his offspring many... And, and here's, here's a situation where we, we, we can sometimes be like, okay, God, what are you doing? Did you forget your promise that you made? If we remember our, our biblical history, we, we remember that Jacob is the chosen one out of the two, out of Jacob and Esau. Jacob is, is the one that God decides to choose to, to, to uh, uh, bring the blessing, the offspring that he promised Abraham, right? Jacob is the chosen one, not Esau. But look at verse 4. And I gave Esau the hill country. He's giving Esau land. And Jacob, well, what happens to Jacob? He, he goes down to Egypt. Right? Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. What? Wait, wait. What about Shechem, right? What about the land of Canaan that you promised it seems like you're giving Esau the, the not chosen one all the blessings and all the inheritance now and what about me? What about, what about Jacob, right? And, 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 uh, and what about the chosen? Well, you're chosen one, God. And we think we can, we, uh, hopefully your mind is going back now to, to Job as we've been studying in Job and how it seems like God blesses evil, the evil people, right? And, 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 and then the, while the righteous people suffer, why? Why, God, where are your promises? You gave Esau, but you sent your children down to Egypt to be slaves? This is what happens. God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is not our timing. Whether it be in regards to marriage, uh, if you're looking for a spouse, um, in regards to having kids, in regards to maybe your, your own health, maybe in regards to finding a job, maybe the right job, I don't know, fill in the blank, right? God's timing is, is uh, not our timing. And we have our preferences and our ideal timing, you know, but His ways are not our ways. But He is good. He is good and He... He was with Israel, with Jacob and his children in Egypt. He was. And because he says, I sent Moses. I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt. I'm with you. I'm with you there. I curse those who curse you and bless those who bless you. I plagued Egypt and I brought you out. 
And you saw my mighty hand, right? Um, and so, uh, so he, he's, he's reminding the people of Israel of these things. And even in the, the things that seem less than ideal, he, he was showing them, no, this is, this is the story I'm writing. This is the story I'm writing, and I'm good. You've got to trust me. Later on, um, in uh, verse 12, so he, he continues on and on. He kind of continues the summary of, of Israel in the wilderness. Actually, let's back up from verse 12. Uh, verse um, 7b, so like right before verse 8, he, it says, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. After I brought you out of Egypt, right, and they were wandering in the wilderness, he kind of gives a statement, uh, kind of a comical statement, I would think, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. I could, you know, I imagine the Israelites are like, yeah, no kidding. It was painful and, and we're just now 600 years later at Shechem again and in the promised land <laughs> you lived in the wilderness a long time but, but look but look he says you lived I did not forsake you when you complained I was there for you even when you did not trust me I provided for you you lived I did not smite you I gave you manna. I gave you water. I was gracious towards you. I sustained you. And maybe that's all you can say about God. Maybe he's just sustaining you. More than likely, he's doing more than that, okay? He's probably teaching you a thing or two. But he is faithful in that. And he is faithful to you. He goes on and uh, describes other ways he delivered the people of Israel and um, by the sword. And in verse 12 it says, uh, It was not by your sword or by your bow I gave a land on which you had not labored in cities that you had not built. And you dwell in them now. You eat fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. <coughs> He's saying all this to, to say that now I provided all of these things. You can't take credit for the wars that you've won. You can't take credit for the abundance of food and, and wealth now that you have. I provided them for you. Only God has chosen them. Only God has led them. Only God has sustained them. And only God has fulfilled all of his promises. He has fulfilled all of his promises. They're standing in Shechem where, where in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, as Abraham is in Shechem and how, uh, how God has led Abraham in Shechem, and then he, he speaks to Abraham in Shechem, to, to you and your offspring, I will give this land. 600 years later, it is fulfilled. And they are standing in that, in, in that land. And, and as Joshua is speaking the words of the Lord, reminding them of what all he has done, the promises are fulfilled. If you flip your page, uh, if you need to, to, to Joshua 23, verse 14, it says, Not one word has failed 
of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you, concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. God keeps his promises. Yes, 600 years later. <laughs> but God keeps his promises and really the timing is because God needed to teach his people what commitment is, what, what being faithful to him looks like. Um, but he did not give up on them. So, now we're in verse 14, end of historical or history lesson, right? Uh, now we're back to present day. He even says, now. So, in quotes of God speaking. Now Joshua is speaking. This is from Joshua, charge from Joshua to the people of Israel. Now. What does all this history have to do with now? Well, he's about to tell you. Now, therefore. Hopefully you're kind of getting the idea, Joshua. You know, I can kind of hear Joshua, you know, say, right? Hope you're getting the idea. Uh, this is, God is requiring something of you. And it's all kind of building up to this, right? And, and it's, it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense. Um, he commands his people. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. So, in light of all of these good things that God has done, in light of how he has been faithful to you when you didn't deserve it, how he has fought your battles, how he has brought you blessing uh, that was not uh, something that you earned and you worked for by your hand, but God gave it to you even from the beginning. God, God's favor towards Abraham, right? So in light of all of these good things, in light of the goodness of God, I was just so blessed uh, this past week when I was uh, studying for this, just dwelling on God's faithfulness to the people of Israel is so encouraging. And, uh, and so in light of all these things, serve him. Makes sense, right? Uh, serve him. Fear him. And, uh, and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. This is a, uh, a logical commitment, Joshua is pointing out. Uh, God keeps his promises, so serve him. He's shown himself mighty, so fear him. He's shown himself faithful and good to you, so be faithful to him. Piece of cake. <laughs> If, if it were, I guess, a, a matter of logic, maybe it would be a piece of cake. Dale Ralph Davis, in his commentary on Joshua, says, Fidelity, or loyalty, to Yahweh is but the natural contemporary response to his abundant historical goodness. It's the now response, you know? It's the now response to his historical goodness. Um, he goes on to say, uh, this is the only reasonable response to overwhelming waves of Yahweh's mercy. As a Christian, this applies to us as well. Uh, and uh, I don't think there's any better 
illustration of this than Romans 12, 1 through 2. And in, in Romans 12, uh, in, in light of all the things that have happened from Romans 1 through 11, Paul, in light of God's mercies there, Paul says in, in chapter 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Same argument. Because God has been so merciful, just, just surrender all you have to Him. He will take good care of you. And uh, so he says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. It's, it's, it goes beyond just like a, a, a respect, right? Like, I respect you. It's, it, it, yes, it's that, but it's, it's greater than that. Like, we need to have a fear of the Lord. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, serve him. Serve, serving sounds like slavery, right? To serve someone sounds like slavery. What the truth is, is we're all slaves to something. Now, it could be uh, our own desires, our own selfish desires that, we, uh, that are our taskmaster, right? That are, are, is our king that we're kind of listening to, that we're submitting ourselves to. It could be maybe someone else, maybe a spouse, someone that we care about in our life. Maybe that's our slave, or excuse me, that's our taskmaster and we're slaves to, to that person. Maybe it's something else. But we're all going to serve something. Why don't we just bring ourselves under the, the lordship of the best taskmaster ever, to say the least, right? The one who created us for himself. The one who has created us for pleasure, but we seek it in lesser things. And when ultimately the pleasure is found in him. So serve him. This is not, this is not a big ask at this point. He's worthy to be served. With, with sincerity, are you kind of committed? You, do you commit to him only on Sundays? Are, are you committing everything to him? Are you committing your finances, your body, your thoughts? Uh, are you committed to him only when maybe other people are around? And then when no one else is around, well then it's me time. Then it's me time. It's not, it's not sincere commitment. Faithfulness. Are you faithful? Are there things that capture your affections more than God does? And then he goes on to say, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is an exclusive commitment. An exclusive commitment. God is a jealous God. He talks later on in verse 19 about how God is a jealous God. He will not put up with any other gods before him. Uh, part of the Ten Commandments, right? No other God. Um, and the thing is, is uh, Israel would do that, right? They would worship other gods, as we would know if we know our uh, biblical history, right? But, but they would also, sometimes they would bring... Uh, they would bring other gods alongside Yahweh and worship both, or at least claim to worship both.
both, right? Well, we can, we can please, you know, everyone, right? The, the, the nations around us that, are, that we're kind of living in uh, with, we can, we can accept their gods too, right? Make everyone happy and worship Yahweh and these gods. And God says, no, that's not, that's not worshiping me at all. And so, uh, so how does this apply, I guess, today, right? How, how can we apply this today? Are we worshiping other gods? And I think... And, and are we worshiping other gods alongside Yahweh? And I think a, a good way to, to check uh, ourselves is is to uh, to ask some questions. Right? Are we participating in a lifestyle of sin, yet still claiming to worship God? Maybe even coming on, on Sunday mornings, participating in services, maybe participating in in church throughout the week, like. Maybe even a leader in the church, right? I don't know. Are, uh, and, 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 but on, when no one else is looking, like you're doing your own thing. You're serving your own God. There's other gods that you're serving alongside Yahweh. Perhaps you feel like you can worship God and still sleep with your girlfriend. Worship God and practice homosexuality. Worship God. And think that you are better than everyone else. It's impossible. We can't worship God like that. He will not have it. Yahweh demands your, mine, exclusive attention. It's an exclusive commitment. And although it's logical... We are weak, aren't we? And oftentimes we, we do bring in other gods, other affections um, that contradict our worship of God. And we forget. And like I was saying earlier, we need to be reminded, right? We need to be reminded of who God is. And, and we need to always be saturating ourselves in his words, so that we can trust him more, right? And not pursue lesser things. Service to him requires that we die. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. You, you have to die to yourself. Die to, uh, to my glory. To, I have to die to selfish, worldly, and, and lesser pleasures and embrace all the pleasures that are found in him. This is the cost of following the one true God. So, will Israel commit in this way? Will you commit in this way? Will I commit to God in this way? Remember, it's all in light of his goodness and his mercies. If it is evil, verse 15, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father that your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. Whoa, if it is evil in your eyes. Sounds like Joshua is being like kind of relativistic, right? Sounds like something we would say maybe in American culture right now. 
Whatever's good for you, you know? Whatever you think is evil, well, yeah, that's evil. Whatever you think is good, well, yeah, it's good for you. What's Joshua doing here? Notice, I noticed this when I first started studying this passage. This is not a choice between the one true God and other gods. The choice here, if you've noticed, is between the gods of your fathers, lower G, uh, lowercase g, gods, and the gods, lowercase g, of the Amorites, the new, the new gods, um, the up and coming, right, gods of the Amorites that you now live in the land of. This, this is your choice. So, so what's he doing, right? Uh, and, and I think uh, he's, he's, this is a, a sarcastic kind of tone that he's giving here. And, and uh, he, because he just painted this huge picture of God's goodness and faithfulness, right? And then he says, now serve him. Now fear him. And, and, and do it in faithfulness. But you know what? If, if you think you have a better God than Yahweh, sure. Take your pick. The gods of your fathers are the gods of the Amorites here that we live in now. But no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's kind of getting them to be like, no, that's, that's stupid, right? Serving those gods would be stupid after hearing and being reminded of everything that the one true God has done for me. Man, it makes these other gods look so silly and dumb and serving them stupid, right? He's like, he's almost caught, like calling them for like an emotional reaction here, right? Uh, to some degree. And, and, uh, and, and then he, he just declares, no, but, but me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can almost hear the crowd. Yeah, serve the Lord. You know, <laughs> um, because he's just, he's just, this is like the climax, right? Of, of what he says. And he, and then he just steps back, right? And waits. Me and my house, whatever you choose or whatever you decide, right? Whatever you commit to, whatever, okay? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He waits. And Israel responds, verse 16, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We will serve the Lord, they will say. Uh, which is, I guess, a, a natural, logical response, as we've seen, right? Then uh, <clears throat> Joshua says, no, you can't. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. Verse 19, I'm in right now. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Whoa. Wait a minute. I, this is not the God I know. Right? I mean, God I know is forgiving. He forgives my sins. Jesus forgives. It's his job. So don't judge me. Don't judge me in, in my lifestyle because God doesn't. If you're judging me, man, that's very unchristlike, and uh, that's not what Jesus would do. So don't judge me. And, uh, and Joshua says, you're not able to serve the Lord. He, he's not going to forgive you your transgressions or your sins. We, 
we need to realize, uh, Israel needs to realize, and we need to realize as Christians in 2019, that for one thing, we cannot serve God on our own will, right? It can't be just an emotional reaction. And that's what Joshua is, is pointing out here and pushing back a little bit here. It can't just be, yes, I will serve God. Yes, I will get out of heaven for free. Yes, give me that get out of heaven for free, free card, right? We can't serve him on our own and we have to completely deny ourselves. Uh, and we can't do that on our own. God, like he did with Abraham, has, uh, Abraham has to take us. Has to take us and change us and regenerate us. Make us alive in Christ, as Ephesians talks about. And, uh, and give us faith to serve him. Uh, and Jesus goes on to say, he, he, uh, or Jesus says in Luke 14, he says, you cannot be my disciple. He says something similar, uh, you, you could say. He, you cannot be my disciple because you have to, uh, uh, you know, hate your own father and mother and wife and, ch and, and children and brothers and sisters. And yes, even your own life, you have to hate those things. Or you cannot be my disciple You've got to count the cost. That's what Joshua was doing. You've got to count the cost, Israel. Don't just say you're going to do this. Israel says, no, but we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do it. And uh, Joshua says in verse 23, okay, prove it, essentially. He says, put away the foreign gods that are among you. You're saying that you're going to serve God when you still are like, side hugging your idol for your false god okay put away those gods and incline your heart to the lord the god of israel so we need so a commitment to god will be proven by our actions and it can't be half-hearted so jesus uh, excuse me joshua charges the people of Israel with these things and, and I just want to close uh, this morning uh, with the verse again from, from Romans 12 we'll, we'll let this be a charge to us Christians in 2019 Romans 12 1 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what do you need to get rid of? What do you need to put away? as Joshua would say. What do you need to do in order to keep yourself away from those false gods? So, so maybe, it's, maybe you're doing something that's not necessarily a sin, but it's distracting you. And it's leading you maybe to a sin. It's leading you 
from, uh, away from exclusively following Jesus. Let's pray. God, we desperately need your help. We cannot serve you as, as much as we may be moved by a logical argument, God. We, we can't do it in and of ourselves. We're, we can't. We, we need to be made alive. We are dead in our sins. So help us, God. Help us to cry out to you when we're in the helplessness of our sin, when we're in helpless circumstances like the people of Israel were, God, in the Red Sea. Help us to cry out to you. You will supernaturally make a way and save us, God, and carry us, God. So we, we ask, God, that you would show us, God, what it looks like for each of us to be wholeheartedly committed to you. I pray that we wouldn't take that decision lightly. That we would not serve and worship two gods. But that we would worship one God. Give us faith that that is where satisfaction is. You are the giver of, of all good things, God. And help us to trust you. And be faithful to you, God. Know that you are here with us through the good and through the bad. It's all for your glory and the good of your people. God, so help us to commit to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.